Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. I'm Anita Kelly, and my guest today is C.F. Frizzell. Hey, Kathy, how are you? Good, thanks, Anita. Good to be with you. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much for being with us. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, how are things going? All things are going well. So trying to work on something new, another project. You never really, no rest for the wicked, you know. Ah, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. I, I'm happy to hear that, you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, so, Kathy, tell us um, about your most recent release. Uh, I think it's called Measure of Devotion. And it's yes. a historical romance, right? Yes, it is. Uh, it, it grew out of a visit to Gettysburg um, a couple of years ago, a couple summers ago, pre-COVID. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it's just as a tourist. Um, you know, I, I just love history and just being there. We had the place we had to go to. I was on my way to a Golden Crown Literary Society conference in Pittsburgh. Ah, and we decided, okay. my wife and I, uh, my wife Kathy and I decided to uh, Wait, take a Kathy roundabout. Wait, you're Kathy and Kathy? Yes. Yes, they're two of us. That's, okay. They call us Kathy, Kathy Squared. That's us. <laughs> um, I, I have friends that are Mary Squared. <laughs> oh, geez. It's funny. Yeah. But uh, we decided to take a, a, a little extended vacation, a round trip to Pittsburgh and um, roundabout trip. And we stopped at... Um, in Lancaster and then uh, oh, nice. Gettysburg and spent three days there and I could have spent forever, it seemed. Oh my uh, just, goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. Three days in Gettysburg. That's like, yes. that's like a dream. It is. And there's so much more now than now that I know so much more about it that I wish I, uh, I wish I had done, wish I had seen. And so that's why we hope to go back as soon as possible. Oh, so God. I don't know when that'll be, but yeah. we drove, you know, so it was easy to, to take our time on the way to Pittsburgh and to spend time there was just precious. Uh, I blew love, my, just blew my mind. I love trips like that. I, those are, those are awesome. Like road trips. Yes. You know, and we didn't get a chance to walk across the, uh, the famous battlefield. Uh, we, you know, toured all around it yeah. and stood on the perimeters um, from, you know, both points of view. Uh, yeah. But to, what struck me most, uh, most immediately was the farmhouses in the middle of it. Yeah. And all I could think about was the poor people who were living there when the battle took place, yeah. literally right through their houses. Yeah. Um, and all I could think of was this is the perfect setting to, to put characters that we care about right in the middle of this uh, to experience it from their perspective what was it like to be sitting in the middle of that view i mean so many movies and books and um, novels have been written about you know being on one side or the other yeah um but what would happen if you're right in the middle of it what was it like and of course that just opened the floodgates and i started collecting <laughs> reference books and i have piles of them you know i don't know how much i spent in just accruing resources um but I was fascinated. So my wife kind of like lost me for months while he was <laughs> embedded in all this research, but I just couldn't get enough of it. Uh, fun research. It was. And especially when you've been there, mm -hmm. I mean, literally on the spot. I mean, if I wanted to write something about Normandy in World War II, yeah. um, number one, just getting there would be almost impossible for me right now, but yeah. it would, you know, it doesn't even look the same, you yeah. know, uh, but today, to stand there, it has been preserved, you know, and you can literally stand where they stood. Yeah. And so that was just, it just kind of rippled right through you. It's something you can't, you can't ignore that feeling. No. It just it was a challenge to try to put it on, on paper, so wow. to speak. That's awesome. That really is. That's, I know that feeling. I've been there many times. Um, and, and, and we'll get back to that. But first, sure. I want to hear about Measure of Devotion. How is that related to Gettysburg, and and um, what is it about? Okay, well, the story is um, uh, a woman in disguised as her twin brother. She's a Union soldier. Um, and the other main character is uh, Sophie, and uh, she's a farmer, farmer's daughter. They live right in the middle of the battlefield, and they live in Gettysburg. 
um, literally right on the plane of battle. Uh, but she joins one of many the ladies groups and the societies that went to the army's aid from both sides mm -hmm. that followed the army around and helped wherever they could. Um, in this case, I created uh, an organization and had her join from Gettysburg with many other women and they happened to meet. She's a uh, assistant in the, the medical area, helping at the hospitals, the field hospitals, and that's where they meet. Um, and the battles take them, um, let's see, well, we go down, it opens with Antietam, um, mainly because I needed time to have the, their relationship develop, and I wanted it to culminate during the Battle of Gettysburg. Okay. Um, and completely unbeknownst to to our main character, Cooper, um, who's actually Catherine, um, she's posing as her brother, Cooper. Ah. Um, I mean, in her travels with her, her unit, her regiment, mm -hmm. um, they end up from going from Antietam to the next battle for that unit was Fredericksburg mm -hmm. and ultimately Gettysburg. Okay. And um, so that's where their, their paths cross. Do you have her in a um, a real regiment like Pennsylvania OVI forty one or yes. something? Yes. Okay. Oh yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Um, what is she in? I want. She's in the nineteenth Massachusetts Volunteers. Okay. Um, I wanted her to come from this general area. I mean, I, I'm a Massachusetts girl. Uh, and most of my novels have Massachusetts connections. Um, but I created uh, her enlistment. Uh, her brother enlisted and then was killed uh, right like almost the next day after he enlisted. And she was able to assume his identity and go back in his place, report for duty in his place. Um, and so she's in the 19th Massachusetts and I, <laughs> the research, I guess, is kind of, uh, now that I look back, it's, I don't even know how I did it. <laughs> it was quite a bit of it. But I traced that unit all the way through the war. Wow. Um, every battle she's in, the 19th is there. The things that they accomplished, the 19th really did accomplish. Um, she is, you know, the, and you get to the Battle of Gettysburg, where was the 19th positioned during those three days, um, you can literally walk the field and that, the you know, the National Park, the Battlefield Park in Gettysburg and see where the 19th was standing. Um, you can, yeah. And the role of the 19th, I mean, even to the point of, of um, I have a, a book that my brother-in-law got for me. Um, he just came upon it at an auction. And it's an 1866 uh, volume of um Massachusetts participation in the Civil War. And it traces all the units from Massachusetts. Cool. Um, so that helped also. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Not that's... to mention, you know, all the battle maps. And if you look up um the the site itself, the website itself for the, the Gettysburg National Um Park, mm -hmm. you it it delineates where each unit stood, where they fought. And, um, and they actually have monuments to to each state in those areas. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I had to. And when I was there in that was July of 2019, I didn't know at the time um, I was going to get how I was going to write anything. It just I just had this thought this, you know, this would be great to do something like this. But I had, had no concept of all the detail at that point. So I look back at all the pictures that I took. You know, I was a tourist. You know, you get the, the phone going with the little videos everywhere that you save. And I'm looking back at it, you know, during the, the following year. So I'm doing all this research and I picked the 19th um, because I wanted a unit who participated right there on those on that ground, those grounds on that in that battle. And I picked the 19th Massachusetts. So now I'm looking at all my videos and it's like, did I get a picture of the monument for them? And I sure did, oh, you know, great. Um, it, but it, the, the feeling is, it's, it's really hard to describe. It's just overwhelming. It's, um, 
mm-hmm. to know that you're standing where they stood mm-hmm. and all that they sacrificed, all of them, mm-hmm. not just, you know, union troops, but all of them. Yes. But yeah. the magnitude is just, it is overwhelming. It is. It's, yeah. uh, it's all inspiring. Like when you, yes. you know, it really is. <clears throat> um, yes. When you're, you're standing there on the, the battlefield because you are right there where it all took place. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, and there's reading and it, the research on on the property um, after the war. It just I was outraged at the things that were allowed to uh, be done to the to the property to the that whole area. Yeah. Until they finally decided, someone in their wisdom said, "I think we should save all this." Yeah. <laughs> I think we should protect this. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Eisenhower property is uh, abuts it, and at one point prior to you know for World War One, they had. Well, tanks were very new yeah. for the military, and they had tank practice yeah. all over that battleground. Yeah, it's like yeah, I was furious when I found that out. Yeah, it's like oh my god, they even had troops stationed there, and they had a swimming pool put in, and they had to dig that out and get rid of it and restore the property. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was amazing. just outraged. It's, it's like sacrilegious, you know. Well, the one thing that's still there, though, did you see um, the Trossel Farm? With the, uh, I think that's the name of it. it has the cannonball? Yes. Hole in the side of it. Yeah. That's, yeah. It, some of them are just phenomenal. Yeah, that um, was just a farm on like that happened to be in the middle of a battle, and yes, uh, and and it's amazing that that it's still standing, um, and it's in really great condition. Um, yes. They must have repointed it or something, but there is a hole in in the. Uh, I guess they're stones. Um, yes, it's near the near the peak of, of the uh, of the building. It's a perfectly round cannonball hole. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, it is. And uh, yeah. there there's so many farms that are gone now from there. Up in that time, there was approximately like 38 of them on the property, and there are nowhere near that many now. Yeah. But um, and a lot of them are owned by the, the parks parks department. Yeah. Um, but some of them are private residences, and they I are. can't. Just how honored I would be to live there. That's, that amazes me. Yeah. Yeah, but of course you'd be. You'd have to put up with all the tourists. Yeah. You know. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's probably and, pretty uh, pretty seasonal though. Like there aren't that many in the winter as there are in the summer. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it was uh, I I was pretty honored just to be there and to to go through all of that. The, the Gettysburg experience was is pretty much the highlight it definitely is the highlight of the book um it's the climax of it where a lot of things come to light so to speak so so um, cooper ends up as a soldier in gettysburg and then meets yes. is it sophie sophie yes and 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 yes okay so that's how they come to meet yeah she's a um an, a, a ladies aid society okay. volunteer yep um helping out the doctors and there are quite a few of them and they came from all over all over the country to, to assist both sides, um, you know, in their, their wagons. And, uh, yeah, she, she is, uh, a native of, of Gettysburg. She's, you know, she lives on, on the property, um, with her father, her mother had since passed and she lives with her father and her two very young, uh, siblings. Okay. And so, you know, her, the volunteers, when they served, um, the different, they followed the army around for different battles. Uh, they would do uh, maybe a month or two and then they'd like rotate home, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they could volunteer to go back again if they wished. Um, and she volunteered and happened to be uh, at Antietam, which is where they first meet. Um, and then decides to stay on. And because the, the devastation is so bad at Antietam, it's the single worst day in American history. Uh, military history um and she decides well i can't really go home now i have to stay with them there's too much need and many did stay and uh thing was it took her the next battle as they followed the army was farther south so now she's going even farther away from gettysburg from her home mm-hmm. and she ended up in fredericksburg mm-hmm. um, and after that she stayed through christmas and then um, goes back home so they part ways after Christmas, um, and uh, she doesn't. They don't reconnect face to face until Gettysburg. Okay. Um, 
in her house, of course, or the farmhouse, like all the others during that battle, worked in all of almost every home in Gettysburg was a uh, a hospital. Yeah, they were taken over by by soldiers, you know, um, and it was just it, an unbelievable situation to imagine your town you lose every building to the dead, the dying, to the blood and gore of um, you know, if it wasn't blown up, mm-hmm. it it had bodies in it. You know, and people just lost everything. And there's 2,400 people in the town, yeah. you know, and it's like 110,000 soldiers. Yeah. Um, they're a little overwhelmed, you could say. Yeah. Um, so she's in the middle of it with her family and ends up, as several farm farmers did, farm families did there, uh, had both sides injured from both sides mm-hmm. in her house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they the doctors cared for union and confederate simultaneously right and so she's in the middle of it all doing helping out all of a sudden she said you know i come home and now the war has followed me home to my house oh, yeah. you know it's one thing to be in antietam and fredericksburg but yeah living out of a wagon with the others but now i'm in my home and so are they yeah everybody's here you know yeah. and of course the houses when you look at them at the one of the things that uh, helped drive my storyline was just doing some of the research initially looking at the map on the on the um, Gettysburg National Battlefield Park mm-hmm. um, website and it it um, delineates each family farm okay. and you can track each family and what they endured wow. through the battle and what they came back to oh, it's just it's stomach churning yeah trust me i won't go into all the details and it's the people i've i've talked to about this have said you know some of it was a little too much for me to to get through it was but another said you know it was just enough yeah and i kind of just shake my head and i think of all the detail that i left out yeah that i avoided because people don't want to read (laughs) don't want to hear about you know how gory it really was and no. what these poor people endured no. you know yeah you're right. you're right but some of these um some of the, the stories from different families and what the different things that they experienced um i tried to incorporate into one instance mm-hmm. and created this fictional family and so i've incorporated a lot everything that they endured mm-hmm. really happened mm-hmm. to all lots of different families in the area okay. so i tried to make it as realistic as i could right down to you know general Pickett being on site <laughs> yeah you know yeah oh, that's um, awesome. so it's pretty factual uh the storyline is is fictional obviously yeah. in the character those two main characters are in the families but um everything is as pinpoint accurate as i could make it in this <laughs> that is <laughs> written, awesome that, that, yeah i this the biggest the biggest book i have and it's over here somewhere right beside me is is about um the command um it's, it's all military tactics. Mm-hmm. The Gettysburg campaign. Okay. Yeah. By Coddington. And um, so just to go through that is <laughs> to be crazy. I guess I'm, I guess I'm a little crazy. <laughs> I um I am right there with you. I actually, I had relatives in Gettysburg. Uh, so, really? Yeah. So Daniel Butterfield, who he wrote uh-huh. taps. Really? Yeah. He is. Um. So my mom, my mom was a Butterfield. Uh, oh, wow. And um, so yeah, like I can trace generations back. He's not in my direct lineage. He is like, you know, like a super great uncle. <laughs> um, I take it. I'll take it. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, right. And, <laughs> That's really uh, exciting. You know the the Chamberlain brothers. Um, oh yes, from most. Maine. Yeah. So um, on that same side of the family, uh, Butterfield's married Chamberlains. Um, so they're related to me. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. Um, Joshua. Yeah, and then I had uh, on my dad's side of the family. I had um, an uncle and nephew who were only two years apart, um, and they uh, were down in Chattanooga. Really? Uh, yeah, they both died down there, um, and the one is oh, actually wow. yeah the one is actually still buried there. Um, really? I don't know why, but they only brought one home, uh, and the other one is there. Yeah, uh, so we actually we went down there um like we've been we've traveled up and down the east coast to all of these um you know civil war battlefields i just uh, i'm enthralled wow. with it yeah oh wow yeah 
Yeah. But it, it, you can trace them all. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I even I wanted I wanted to make sure I knew which which regiments were approaching the wall during Pickett's charge. You know, which mm-hmm. from which states and uh, which would be realistic. What flags would they see coming over the wall? Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and I did. I traced oh, them all. Awesome. Who would make it and who wouldn't? Wow. You know, that's so detail oriented. That's so cool. It, it was, it's this just so much stuff, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's, there's not like there's a, a, a lack of resources out there. No, My God. no, they're really, it's, yeah, there's a plethora <laughs> of yeah. uh, info on the civil war and, uh, yeah. yeah. And you know, uh, so my, my dad, when, when we moved my parents out of their house and into an apartment, um, my dad gave me some Civil War currency. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's wow. I think it's Confederacy that like um, like bills and stuff that. Um, so all my people were Union soldiers, but mm-hmm. I think the ones that died down there they were the ones from his side. So I think they must have taken it or you know somehow gotten it. Uh, but yeah. Wow, that's excellent. Yeah. I'm jealous. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Very. Yeah. So it, it's so um when you decide to come back to Gettysburg, you have to let me know. I um, will. Yeah. I will do that for sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I um that was one of the things I said in my retirement. I'm gonna give tours of, of the battlefield. Like I just I just love it, you know. Oh, you're hired. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to go with someone who really, you know, is an expert about yeah. the whole thing. It's, oh, I'm not an expert that, by any means. I just have well, been there a lot and, you know, so. You know, I know there is the, the, the tours, the, the licensed guides that you can, yeah. you can hire them, yeah. you know, and I think I would consider that when yeah. I first learned you could do that, which was, of course, after the fact, um. I thought, well, the next time, boy, I'm going to really, and I would love to go on the 3rd of July. Right, right, you know? to the to the reenactments. We did that yes. one year. Um, <gasps> really? Oh, yeah. my goodness. And um, it was uh, it was loud because, you know, they were shooting off cannons and everything. Oh, great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, they can't reproduce everything. Can no. you imagine it being 10 times louder than what you heard? Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, you, yeah. 200 and some odd cannons going at once. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, like I said, it's hard for people to even fathom. Yeah. It you is. know, it's yeah. today, today, war is something you see on TV, you know, and, uh, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, we have people in simulators like right at, uh, shooting people from their desk, you know? Yeah. With exactly. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the the times today, there were there were so many parallels. To be quite honest, with you know, today's politics, um, yeah, and and it just it's it's things were getting worse as I'm writing this. You know, you you have the news on, and it, it was just crazy with you know the country turning so much of this country turning against itself. Yeah, it's like you know what are we looking at? This is too frightening. You know, the parallels are like ridiculous. This is just scary. You know, we can't we can't let it get this far. There has to be a voice of reason somewhere to stop this. Remember when we we disagreed and that was it? Yeah. Now now we won't even we won't even listen. Yeah. You know, now we won't sit down and even listen. I know. Seriously. Yeah. What happened to the common sense of this country? Yeah. Yeah, my wife and I um, were both saying that, that, you know, we oh, were, were headed, I mean, at that time, it seemed yeah. like we were headed for another civil war. Yeah, and the country's in rough shape now, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah. thank, well, hopefully it won't come to blows, but, yeah. Yeah. you know, there's just so much out there that, so much dissent that, and there's no hesitation anymore to, no. to bring guns into a state house. No. no. You know, it's like, what is it coming to? It, yeah. Yep. So the just writing this was um, kind of creepy in oh, the I'm back sure. of my mind, but I'm you know, sure. it was kind of like I, I mean, it sounds like it was an eerie experience. It was, um, and I think that's what drove me to to be as exact as I could, yeah. you know, to put in as much emotion as I could, 
I mean, there is a romance in this, yes. Um, but they endure that, you know, all that's going on around them. You know, on Sophie does it, has it in, in her, in the town of Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there are black families, free black families mm-hmm. that they're friends with, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. This is just so hard to conceive that we would, you know, treat people this way. And she has to deal with her siblings and explain to them what's going on and why, yeah. you know. And the little kids are like, but, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, but this is, this is how it is. Yeah. And I can't really explain some of it, you know. Yeah, we, um, we went through that, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I know I did with kids, like they didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's fair and what isn't? This is, it's, um, I, I was kind of honored to take it on and to try to do it justice. And I think from what I've read in the reviews and, People seem to be um, appreciative of that, oh, uh, so, so I, I awesome. think I think I hit it on the head, and I'm I'm especially proud of this one that's um, so great. for a lot of reasons. But uh, this was really special, and um, well, I can't wait know. to read it. I haven't read it. Yet. Thank you. I, yeah, yeah. I I want you to read it. Please do. Oh, and I, I want to hear what you think Absolutely. because um, especially someone who knows about it, um, and I think you'll you'll be able to see exactly where you're standing, so to speak, yeah. you know, as you read it. So. Okay. Awesome. Oh, uh, thank you. So, so thank what you. is, what is the best thing that you've heard from a reader? Uh, that's really hard to say. I mean, um, that they could see it and, and feel it oh, nice. as they read it, nice. that it's, um, it was just enough for you to appreciate all aspects of it, you know, the pain, the cold, you know, the, the fear, um, the hunger, mm-hmm. uh, all of that comes through, um, what they eat, what they wanted to eat and didn't have, you know, the clothes, the weather, um, you know, when you look up and see what the rain, what the weather was like on July 3rd, uh, you know, of 1863, and you can do that. You yeah. can go in and, and literally ask for a weather forecast from, you know, yeah. 200 years ago. Yeah. Um, it's to have readers experience that and say so, you know, and that they, you know, would read, you know, other things that I've written because of this. They're really glad they got a chance to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm always pleased when a reader says that it, it's like a movie. Um, oh. that they could see it. Uh, I had that experience with, with Stick, uh, Stick McLaughlin, The Prohibition Years, which yeah. was my first. I wanted to talk uh, about Stick. Yeah, Stick is a character and a half. <laughs> so so who uh, is Stick? Well, let's see. Stick starts off um, as a, a teenager on the streets, um, and it's uh, 1918, 1917, okay. Boston. Uh-huh. Um and she kind of gets the short end of the stick. Boston was a pretty corrupt place to be back in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, the government, you know, the city, city government, and the police. Everybody has, everybody's going for something. They all want, you know, they want more money. It's all all graft and and corruption. Um, not to mention um, the gangs. There was uh, the the Irish mob, mm-hmm. the, the Italian mob, the, the Jewish mob. Uh, and they were all out for the same thing. Um, but she's she's just trying to help bring a few things home to put some bread on the table um, to help her, her family. Okay. So she's on the streets, a kid on the streets, and kind of gets a bum rap and ends up doing time. Um, and so she learns a lot on the streets, but she also learns a lot when she's um, in the women's reformatory. Okay. And she's released uh, in her last year of her sentence. Um, as a probationary year, she has to do a year's service as a domestic for a a wealthy family. And so in that, now for the next year, she's exposed to 1924 and the well-to-do. And all of a sudden she comes out and it's the roaring twenties and she sees how the other half lives. And ironically how they got their money. Yeah. Um, this thing called the Volstead Act, this thing called prohibition, mm-hmm. what is that? Yeah. And um, she learns a lot and how people get, like herself, the innocents get screwed over 
um, when she finally gets out, um, she decides to kind of get even. <laughs> oh, wow. She, she gets her own group together of ones who have been similarly um, punished for, you know, set up for uh-huh. the mob or set up and, and done time and punished needlessly. Okay. They get together and they they um, inflict their own style of um, damage, so to speak, and uh, they become hijackers. Okay. Um, alcohol uh, hijackers and basically pit the big gangs in Boston against each other. Smooth. Um, and it's it's kind of like um, uh, girl gets even uh-huh. kind of story. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In, in the beginning of it, she has she has a girlfriend. She's sixteen, and uh, it's you know, of course, the love of my life type of thing when you're sixteen. And they get broken up when she. Um, has to go into prison uh-huh. um, and they part, they just end up having to drift apart. Uh, they lose touch. Um, but she, you know, of course it's always in her heart. Someday maybe they'll meet again. And of course I have to bring that romance full circle. Good. So good. that, that comes, that comes back um, in the, uh, the latter half of the book. Good. Good. Is that Ellie? So, yes, it is. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pleased with that, and it, I just love that. I mean, just just jump into gangsters and all that happy stuff. That was that was fun. That's so um, awesome. I actually wrote a short story about uh, uh, a bootlegger, actually. So ah, uh, yeah, a, uh-huh. young, a young bootlegger. So uh huh. It's it's fun to look back at that era. Um, oh my goodness! And see, I grew up in in Boston, ah. so a lot of that is uh, is you know my interest in all that is from listening to my father talk and my grandfather, you know, and they worked downtown and Scully square in Boston was famous. And it was also right about the time of the, the great, um, uh, I guess it was the first pandemic. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, it was. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I mean, she was on the streets at that time and she had to be careful not to, you know, she stayed away from the Naval base because that's all the sailors were coming down with this weird, sickness yeah oh, wow. um so i brought a lot of stuff in and it was all again historically accurate you know, the police were looking to were going to go on strike because they were being you know overworked and they wanted to make a point of, of their hardships and so it would be convenient if they made sure that they caught this kid and accused her of something maybe a little bit more than she actually did and bolstered their credit their credits so uh mm-hmm. that's how she got set up mm-hmm. um Wow. And she had to pay the price. So five or six years later, when she's finally out on her own, she's learned a lot, mm-hmm. and she's got a lot of resentment. And uh, but she's she's quick, she's smart, and um, the the gang that she puts together of her own, mm-hmm. um, they're pretty they're pretty sly and wily. So it it they they get even. Let's just say that the girl the girl gets even in the end. So awesome. Yeah, so- I was I was. Go ahead, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I did a uh, a follow up to that a few years ago oh. uh, called Crossing the Line, and um, she ends up in uh, upstate New York, helping out a friend who's a rum runner on Lake Champlain, okay. down to, to Lake George. Oh and, wow, um, that's fun. What I wanted to do from the very beginning, even with Stick, was to bring in the New York mob. Because I just love the stories. I mean, Al Capone had Chicago, mm-hmm. but lucky, lucky Luciano had New York, yeah, and and beyond. Um, so what I did was I wanted to bring the mob, the New York mob's influence, into her life. Um, so she's by that point, she's she's been a it's been a few years now, and uh, she's decided to back off and lay low. And, She's made decent money. She's doing all right. She wants to keep out of this now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has met a friend who's in dire need of protection, of someone to help her. And uh, so she brings – she rallies her troops from Boston to come and help. And uh, she stays, stays kind of behind the scenes, but she masterminds um, a fight against the New York mob oh. in that that's crossing the line, the, the sequel to it. Whether we go on from there, I don't know if there will be a third one. I okay. don't know. But people have asked for more for Stick from Stick. So yeah. we'll see. I don't know what period I would put her in because uh, her claim to fame was prohibition. Yeah. You know? So when yeah. that ends and 
we'll see what happens. Okay. I don't know if I'd bring her into the 40s or the 50s or I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I was going to ask if she's going to have any more adventures, but. Oh, I would love to. The temptation is really killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kathy, you write, like, it seems like most of your, your works are, um, like historical romances, right? Is well, that actually, yeah, well, I've done six and I got three of each three ah. contemporary romances and three rom three historical romances. Nice. What What's your so, favorite to write? Oh, historical romances for yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, unfortunately, in a way, um, contemporary romance, you know, sells more. Um, yeah. But um, as far as a, just a, a, the challenge of uh, of putting all those facts into an entertaining format, mm -hmm. something that you you can learn and not even realize it. Yeah, you know, you're you're too swept up in the story. As people realize, well, I guess don't realize when they're watching a, an historical movie. Right. Um, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be taught. You don't want to be lectured. Mm -hmm. You don't want to read. I want to read a historical textbook. I'll buy one, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I'll take a course. Mm -hmm. um, but this isn't, you know, you want to be able to deliver, um, deliver the facts in, in a way the reader doesn't need to realize they're learning it. They're just absorbing it. And mm -hmm. uh, they're in that scenario. They're, they're in that era yeah. um, wholeheartedly hook, line and sinker. If you can do that, then um, you've succeeded. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel pretty lucky what I've read from people um, that these, these three, um, I guess I hit it. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful. I would say you did. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So are you, are you currently working on anything right now? Like what's. Uh... Yeah. I've, I've just sent a proposal in um, to Bullstrokes books to see if, uh, if they're interested in, in this latest idea. And it, it has to do with them. Um, Two TV celebrities, uh, two different uh, shows that are forced to combine their talents against their will, but uh, mm -hmm. contractually, the network is is the one calling the shots. Okay. So, uh, but it's a, it's a contemporary romance, mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm working on that. I haven't flushed it out completely yet, but we'll see. Uh, I'm hoping they'll find a, a a slot in the press schedule for next October. Oh, cool. But uh, that might be rushing it on their their side. But uh, we'll see what they say. It may not make it, but uh, I'll still give it a shot. <laughs> okay, great. I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Oh. That'll be fun. We'll so, see if it happens. Yeah. When you when you are writing, um, do you do like the a formal outline and character development before you even get started? No, I don't. Okay. Um, they call them plotters and pansters. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm not a plotter. Um, I'm definitely a, a pansster. I fly just by the seat of my pants. Uh, mm -hmm. He's right as it as it falls out. Where's this? I, you know, I never knew she was going to say that, or I didn't know it was going to end this way. Or I didn't know that was going to happen. It just happened. Um, there are times when you have to plan some pieces of it. But overall, I mean, there's uh, Jane Fletcher, who, who writes for Bull Strokes, um, is the queen of them all, from what I've what I've heard over the years. I mean, this woman writes um, uh, like it's not it's like fantasy, I suppose you could say. Uh, okay. But she, when you write that, and those authors just amaze me. I'm so in awe of their skill. I mean, they have to sit and create a whole world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you think of like, you know, Game of Thrones, where he created an entire language, yeah, you know, yeah. but you you could create everything like and in that case, I, I think you'd probably end up doing a lot of outlining and a lot of uh, plotting in advance. That's true. Um, yeah. The only time I really ran into it in my case was Measure of Devotion, which um, I, it was kind of the easiest plotting I think any author could ask for. I went by the military timeline. I was going to say, it's all written out for you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so I knew what was coming and what I needed to accomplish in, in each, at each battle, so to speak. 
Uh, at this point, I need them to the two characters to meet at this, you know, have something happen here and something happen here. Um, and for instance, when um, Cooper's regiment uh, goes on, and as they did then, winter break, they they would pause in the winter most times and just wait until the weather got better, um, just like they didn't often fight at night. You know, these well, it's getting dark. We have to call it off for tonight. It's yeah. like playing ball when you're a little kid. You got to yeah. run in the house because it got dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that sort of thing. I mean, there was a a point in in the war for this regiment and that those that corps mm-hmm. where they just did nothing from January until the end of March. Um. And I had to decide how I was going to continue their relationship when they are apart. Oh. Um, and how do I deepen the attraction, maintain it and deepen it, um, develop it further? Um, if I want them to still be so attached, come Gettysburg in June. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, planning, so to speak, having yeah. to work that out. But as far as actually, you know, doing... Um, uh, an outline like some people do. I, I couldn't do it. I would feel too constricted. I yeah. think. Yeah. No, um, I can understand that. Yeah. And the characters develop them. Well, kind of develop themselves. I mean, if I want someone to be, you know, assertive, how do I want this person to come across? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then you start thinking about their, their, their character. Literally, you know, um, how will they um, click? You know, what what does one uh, contribute to the other. How, do, how, does, how does these two become a couple? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So bringing in the, the romance arc into the arc of the military, you know, campaign uh, mm-hmm. to make them combine was a was a challenge. But that's that's all part of the fun and games, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, how how do you decide on what to write? Like, how did you? Like you said, you went to Gettysburg. You and that's where this idea came from. Is that is that mm. how things kind of occur for you? Yeah, that's that's really nothing that I've uh, uh, I've wanted to write that I haven't tackled. Um, something I mean, I have uh, I have a World War Two story. I think I'm a military history crazy person. Same here. Um, <laughs> same here. Yeah. Yeah, I just love this stuff. Um, there's just so much involved that people, you know, just look at superficially. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, you could look at something like uh, like Private Ryan, you mm-hmm. know, and the depth behind that. It's mm-hmm. far more than just, you know, trying to find this poor brother. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's so much more involved in getting there. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. But uh, no, as far as, you know, it's usually something that comes to mind when I, when I see it, it, it strikes me. That mm-hmm. that's it uh, with stick. Uh, and that, like I said, was my first. Um, it was a building. And I've told the story before that it's a, it was a little building that I used to pass by every day going to work. And I worked at the time in downtown Boston in the financial district. And in the midst of these high rises was this tiny little one story hardware store. Mm-hmm. Like someone had forgotten to get rid of it. <laughs> you know, in all this, all the, the modernization of Boston. Um, and Boston is a lot like that, too. I mean, it has all these historic little buildings plunked in the middle of everything that no one can, no developer can touch because mm-hmm. of, you know, is preserved by the government or whatever. But um, this particular hardware store was between two buildings and uh, it's all, you know, it had the, the wire across its windows, the, the, the grating to protect it and seal it up. It hadn't been used in, I don't know, decades. Mm-hmm. And um, I would stop on my way past it, walking past it to work every morning and stare in there and just look, you know, the wooden floors, the visible pipes with it circulated, huge ceilings, tin, pressed tin ceilings, wow. that, you know, I don't know, 12, 14 feet high. Um, and it, you know, it's decrepit. And it's like, and I always tried to picture what it must have been like in its heyday. You know, and I, the mind starts to wander, yeah. you know, just wander off. And um, if you, you were a kid and you had like run to the store for your, you know, your, your parents sent you out for something, um, what would it be like to be in there? And that put in my head, put a kid on the streets in, I don't know when that maybe it was built in the thirties, 
Mm-hmm. And I backed it up a little farther, mm-hmm. took it to an extreme, you know, in mm-hmm. order to get her as an adult in the into the 30s or approaching the 30s, mm-hmm. I would need to back up into her youth. And there I found myself in 1917. So and it just happened to coincide with all the stuff I'd heard over the years from my father and my grandfather who all worked there. So worked in the area. That's so awesome. So. But it's basically what what it strikes you, yeah. you know. Um, my romance is um, the Night Voice, uh, which was really popular. I'm grateful to say, uh, took place in Provincetown, and that was the easiest thing in the world to write because I live an hour away. Yeah, nice. And uh, and a lot of people know Provincetown, mm-hmm. so it was just a matter of making sure I did it right. Um, and you know, it was it was a fun premise you know it's a uh, uh, nighttime talk radio hostess who gets kind of attached to this regular caller um, oh. and eventually they do meet but it is what transpires in between that is you know, it was fun but it's all around it takes place down in Provincetown oh, cool. um, and the other romance um, that I really enjoyed writing was Nantucket Rose um, and I worked on the island for a while really? so uh you know, having bringing someone over there to flip a house um, was I just couldn't resist that because Neotucket uh, is so parochial mm-hmm. about its property. Yeah. Neotucket is really strict. Yeah. Um, you, I you can't you have to build a certain way. You have to use certain materials. Um, you know, they, yeah. they everything's just, pristine. Yeah. And um one of the things I did while I was working on the island was produce one of their, uh, the town's planning, uh, the planning board had a, uh, put out a building booklet for developers. And um, the editor and publisher of the paper that I worked for at the time um, took this chore on as a side job of producing this, this booklet for the town and had me do all the design and the typesetting. So I <laughs> I was privy to all the regulations in the damn town, and it drove me crazy just typing all this stuff. Uh, in those days, you had to type it all in. Today, you can scan pages of it in this text, but back then, you had to write it all, and I designed the layout of the pages and the photos and all the um, schematics and all of that stuff. So oh, the regulations were pretty intense, and they still are. Mm-hmm. That's why there's no McDonald's on Nantucket you yeah. cannot camp you can't camp on it they are really parochial about it yeah. thank god because it, it has been preserved yeah um but just writing a story about someone who goes over there thinking she's gonna flip a house uh, uh was a challenge yeah. you know that was fun um and Probably of course is. i had to bring in the historic um background of the house itself and tied that to a uh a local, a resident who lives there, you know, and that's, so that's how I had those two characters meet um, and become involved. Um, but that kind of a thing is, that's where the, you know, that's inspiration, I guess, I guess that's what you call it. Uh, but as things just come to mind, and I said this to my wife too, you know, you can write a story about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm looking at a, you know, the push pin on the wall, you know, on your bulletin board, um, who put it there? Why is it there? What's it holding up? You know, how many are there? Does it mean that it's, you know, there's not much activity at this desk or, you know, and then you start moving from there. Um, and you, the descriptions are endless, yeah. you know, and that's how things just grow. Yeah. Well, maybe you could write a book about anything. <laughs> I don't know that a lot of people could do that, but. Well, thank you. That's a talent, really. That is. That's awesome. I often wondered if it's just what happens when you're an only child. Um, (laughs) You know, know, maybe that's what helps the imagination grow. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're your own best friend. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember when uh, when I was in my 20s and I was just about to to move out to one of my first apartments, (laughs) my first one. And uh, my um uncle his two young kids my two cousins moved in with us temporarily and uh he was uh 10 years old and he was a city kid 
and he lived in had lived in South Boston. Well, now he's living with us in the suburbs. You know, he had trees and two acres of woods behind our suburban house. Mm -hmm. And I tried to get him. He was lost without his city neighborhood. Yeah. And I tried to get him to to try to invent games and things that, you know, stir the imagination. Yeah. I had a great time coming up with things. <laughs> he wasn't interested, but I was. Yeah. Said, Someday maybe I'll write a kid's book. You know, I don't uh, know what to do. What to do when you have basically nothing. Yeah. How to yeah. create fun out of nothing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think something it's I, in there somewhere. I think um that's, you know, becoming maybe a little bit of a lost art because everything's like kind of there for you, you know? Um, yeah. You don't have to use your imagination anymore. It's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's different for kids, you know? Yeah, it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I sometimes think when you hear a Facebook going down, you know, and all of that, it's like, good. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Let it it be gone for, like, what would happen? God help the world if it went down for a week. Can you imagine? I I saw, like, I I got, I don't know, some headline or something this morning that said, what? What did you do for six hours while Facebook and Instagram were down? <laughs> exactly and, you know, right. Like, exactly. Yeah, life went on. Yeah. Yep. And it always it has until now. And yeah. I think you gotta be careful or we're gonna lose reality. Yeah, really right. Are, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll all yeah. be like uh virtual and, and not real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's that can't that can't happen because yeah. look at the mess we're in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so much that needs to be fixed right oh, now. Oh, Why? Yeah, yeah. People have lost touch with reality. Yeah. yeah. So, so but um, you see, keep writing stories, I guess, and try to keep people's interest in, yeah. in different things and expanding as much imagination as you can. Well, I look forward to what's next. From from you, Kathy. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and um, you know it's been a a joy talking to you, and I could keep talking about Gettysburg forever. (laughs) Same here. Um, But uh, you know that's that's all the time we have for today. And well, uh, I thank you very very much for for your interest. This is uh, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It has been my pleasure. Um, you know, I'm Anita Kelly, and and thanks to C.F. Frizzell, uh, who her re- recent release is Measure of Devotion. Be sure to pick it up um, and and check it out. It's all uh, all about Gettysburg and uh, a historical romance. Um, so thanks for joining. Let's talk about books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty, and be safe, folks. <laughs>